It is finally September, ladies and gentlemen. September 1st is here, and we are two days away from the first full weekend of college football. Today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon for one free breakdown today. Now, with it being the start of September and the start of football season, I teased this yesterday, but Mark Schofield is making his triumphant return to the ring after a two-day absence. Mark, it's good to have you back to talk a little college ball. Ah, it's good to be back, my friend. Good to be back. Had to, you know, um, spent a little more extra time in the film room this week uh, to kind of get ready. Look, you said we're two days away from the first you know, official kickoff of college football season. Games are tonight, my friend. Oh, I, for- I totally We've forgot. We've got a slate Actually, of no, games I forgot. tonight. <laughs> man, I totally no. forgot. I Man, we we do have games tonight, actually. Yeah, and there's a couple of interesting ones. I mean, we've got App State at Tennessee. Tennessee's a team a lot of people are high on, myself included. Look, they're coming into this season ranked number nine. This might be the year they finally put it together. Louisville, you know, our friends Jeff Fair and Shane Alexander, they're high on that team. You know, they're in action tonight. Um, you know, a good slate of games. Friday's games aren't that great. Two top 25 teams are in action, Michigan State and Baylor. But then we get into Saturday. I mean, the big headline, probably that Oklahoma-Houston game, and that's a noon game on Saturday. I know, kicking off early there, huh? Yeah, and then you got LSU-Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. How nice is that? That little doesn't Georgia. suck. Yeah, little, doesn't little, suck. You got Georgia-North Carolina at 530. That's I'm looking forward to that. I'll tell, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see where that game goes just because you've got two teams – that are probably, you know, both, I think, coming into the season, maybe one level below kind of that top tier, and just kind of wondering what they're going to show early in the season if one of those teams can, you know, kind of get on that run and get themselves bumped into top 10 contention by the end of the year. Yeah, and the thing to kind of watch for there is, you know, obviously Nick Chubb coming back from that knee injury, um, how much, you know, what he can contribute early this season, because it looks like they're, they are starting a freshman quarterback. Yep, yep. So, so, and then look, Saturday night, you've got USC, Alabama. Yep. I mean, and then Sunday, the big ones, you know, Notre Dame at Texas. It's back, man. It's and back. Then Monday night, Mississippi, Florida. It's just a great opening weekend of games, man. It is back, and and you finally you've you've completed your uh, your foray your safari through the SEC at this point, yeah. I have. I've gotten through it all. So talk Ooh. to me. To, uh, let's. Where, where do you want to start? Let's let's start in the East. Okay. Let's start with the SEC East. Obviously, uh, it has been the weaker of the two divisions in the SEC over the last. Uh, well, the last. Well, a, a, a while. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're we're going back probably when. when When's the last time the, you even had some real dominant teams out there? You got to go back probably seven or eight years. I'm thinking, right? You got to go back to like Florida with Urban Meyer, and that's like what 10, 2010. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it now because um, those Georgia teams have never performed the way people thought they would. They, I know, they always, you know, in in 12, 11, and I think 13 also, they were always in that top 10 range, but they never performed up to expectations. I think you got to go back to, you know, the Urban Meyer days at Florida from the last time you had a really dominant team there. 
Yeah, I mean, the last time that an SEC East team actually won the Southeastern Conference, 2008, was Florida. Yeah, so you, you got to get way back there in order to yeah. uh, to really find some, some jewels there. But let's, let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing this year. You want to start top or bottom, or do you want to pick a specific team? I mean, we could start at the top with that team we were just talking about a little bit in Tennessee. Yep. I mean, this is a team that, look— they were a couple of plays away last year from really having a great year. I mean, this is a team that, you know, people have been talking about for a while now. Are they finally going to make the leap? Are they finally going to make the leap? You know, they finished 9-4 and four last year. Uh, obviously a respectable record. But, you know, this is their moment because both Florida – starting a freshman quarterback. Looks like Georgia's starting a freshman quarterback. I mean, those are the two other top-tier teams in that SEC East. If they can't get over the hump, I think, this year, then you're going to start to wonder, well, can they ever get there? Schedule sets up kind of nicely for them. I mean, they've only got you know four road games. They've got Georgia on the road. That's going to be a tough one for them. The other three are A&M, who looks to be a little bit down right now. South Carolina definitely looks to be down right now, and they close out at Vanderbilt. I mean, those are their four road games. They've got a neutral site game, non-conference against Virginia Tech. That game's going to be awesome. I almost want to get to that game. You know where they're playing that? Where, where's that going to be? Bristol. Bristol, wait, Bristol, Virginia? NASCAR country, my friend. Oh, no way. Yeah. No way. Or, no, not Bristol, Virginia. Bristol, Tennessee, Bristol, right? Tennessee. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not Bristol. I'm, wow. Who knew, who knew that was going to hey, happen? Hey, you know, it, it's been a long week, but it, yeah. Let's, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, you know, kind of some of the teams on that schedule as they as they shape up. One of the other teams that is ranked preseason, Florida. I'm guessing, are they your number two in the East? Yeah, you, they are. Do you have Georgia two. up there? No, they are my number two. I mean, it, it's almost a toss up between the two of those right now. I mean, a lot of it from Georgia's perspective is the question mark around Nick Chubb. You know, we don't know what he can give right now. I mean, this in this day and age, guys look to come back from knee injuries pretty quickly. Um, so it remains to be seen. Obviously, they've got Sony Michelle behind him, who's more of a, a scat back type, I'd say. He's not the true talented all-around runner that Nick Chubb is. So it's a bit of a question mark right now about that Georgia offense. And, you know, with Eason coming in to be that freshman quarterback starting for them, as all reports seem to indicate, that's a bit of a question mark. I think, you know, Florida's got another year under the belt. I think they're going to have some more stable production with Del Rio at the quarterback position than they got, certainly at the end of last year with Trehon Harris trying to run that Florida offense, those passing concepts that Jim McElroy brought from Colorado State. So I think right now I'd sort of give the edge to Florida over Georgia in that sort of, you know, second slot of the SEC East. Obviously, a lot of that will come down to that, you know, Florida-Georgia game. I mean, the world's greatest outdoor, largest outdoor cocktail party, as it is, huge rivalry game. You know, we'll see what happens during that contest. But, I, I mean, sitting here right now on the cusp of September kicking off here for us, I really think it's, you know, Tennessee 1, Florida 2, Georgia 3. And I'll tell you, another factor that plays into uh, Georgia potentially being below Florida when it's all said and done, the schedule they have starting off, Pretty difficult those first five weeks. I mean, you talk, you you got that UNC game, then you got a couple easy ones. You got a Nichols State matchup on the, on the tenth, and then uh, Missouri on the seventeenth. But then you go to Ole Miss, and then you have Tennessee at home there. So I mean, you're talking, you know, three tough games out of the first five. Where if you don't perform well on those, all of a sudden you're two and three and kind of staring up at the rest of the division, and you know, trying to get yourself back on track. Whereas Florida, you know, they've got a game against Tennessee in week four. But other than that, the first five weeks, it's a relatively light schedule. UMass, Kentucky, uh, UNT, and then Vanderbilt. So, I mean, 
you, you've got an easier road to build some momentum for the Gators before you hit LSU, uh, and, and that LSU game is fortunately for Florida uh, going to be at home for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right, and that's a great point looking at these schedules that, you know, Florida, this, that's not a bad way to start. I mean, to get Massachusetts, Kentucky, North Texas at home before making that trip to Tennessee. I mean, that's you're probably looking at you know a 3-0 record. And then who knows what happens in Tennessee. Obviously, that was a wacky game between Florida and Tennessee last year. Florida with that big comeback at the end. Uh, crazy things have happened in that game in the past. Maybe this is a year where another crazy set, set of circumstances comes together. We go through the other four teams here, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Do any of these teams have the potential to catch, catch someone off guard and end up uh, you know, in that top three here? Are most of these guys pretty much destined for somewhere between five and eight wins this year? I don't know. I... Kentucky kind of intrigues me, and I've, I've talked about this a little bit around the inside the pylon workspace, um, you know, by the beer cooler on Friday afternoons when it's beer o'clock, that, you know, this is a veteran team that has some experience coming back, particularly on offense. Look, they're returning nine out of 11 starters, um, four guys up front coming back on the offensive line, and the fifth guy that's not technically a returning starter saw a lot of action up front, um, bringing their running back and three wide receivers coming back, and their tight end. I mean, the only two non-returning starters on that Kentucky offense are Cole Miser, the left tackle, who started a couple of games and saw a lot of action, and Drew Barker, a sophomore quarterback, who started a couple of games as well. He just was, didn't start the season as the number one. He sort of took over, and Patrick Tolles kind of you know, had a, some rough go of it during the midseason. Um, so this is kind of a veteran offense um, that does some things well now. You're talking about Kentucky. This is a team. They haven't been to a bowl since 2010, I believe. They haven't had a winning season since 2010. You know, they were five and seven the past two years. Do I think they're going to get up to that top three and kind of surpass either Florida, Georgia, or even Tennessee? I don't think so. But it wouldn't surprise to surprise me to see them fourth in the SEC East and get to a bowl game for the first time in a while. Talking about the SEC here today, obviously we are kicking off the college football season in earnest this week. Before we go over to the SEC West, I do want to remind our listeners that today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football. Crossover Football can help coaches win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great information that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your formations and personnel packages can be labeled with your own terminology, and you can create custom highlight reels that are exchangeable with anyone on the platform, including all of your own players and coaches. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon, and you get one free breakdown if you sign up today. Let's go to the SEC West. The big daddy here, the granddaddy of them all. You know, you, you talk about this division here. You've got two teams in the top five. You've got, I think it's it's either Four, or I think it's four teams in the top 25. Where, where do you see this shaking out when it's all said and done? Is Bama going to come out on top once again? I, that's a really tough one. And I, I know think I'm the, putting the you on way, the spot. The way that that's going to be decided is what LSU can get 
from Brandon Harris at the quarterback position. You look at this LSU roster, and it is pretty stacked on both sides of the ball in terms of returning starters. On the offensive side of the ball, look, they've got uh, Durrell and Dupree. They've got two pretty good wide receivers for Harris to find in the past the game. They've got Fournette and Geis, two really good running backs. That's a nice one-two combination at the running back spot for the Tigers. They've got a really good line, starting with Ethan Poshik, the center, I probably mispronounced his name there, who might be the top like sort of interior lineman in the country this year. They're returning, I think, nine or ten starters on the defensive side of the ball, including their entire secondary coming back in total. I mean, this is this LSU team is primed to make a run. Now, the big question mark is that quarterback position, like I talked about. Harris doesn't have to be great. He just has to be good and steady enough. I think he can do that this year. The way this shapes up for LSU, talking about schedules, that November 5th game, Alabama-LSU, that's in Death Valley. Yep. You know, and both teams get a bye week before that. I mean, LSU scheduled prior to that game. I mean, they get this game up in Lambeau against Wisconsin. They're not going to overlook that. I'd be surprised if they did. And then they got Jacksonville State at home, Mississippi State at home. Mississippi State looks to be having sort of a down year after losing Dak Prescott. They go on the road to Auburn question marks over in Auburn, how they're going there. Missouri, they get at home. That game against Florida, you know, on the road, that might be tough. Then they get Southern Miss at home, Mississippi at home, a bye week in Alabama. I mean, it's not the easiest road. I mean, it's one of the tougher schedules in the country overall, at least from how Phil Steele looks at it. But it sets up kind of nicely for them, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. And you talk about, you know, Bama's got a little bit of a gauntlet, you know, coming up. The, two out of those first three weeks, you do have that USC game, which, you know, it's, it's never an easy game when you're playing USC. And then you do have Ole Miss in week three. So, yep. you know, again, with with Alabama, I think I feel a little bit more confident in them being able to get through that. But you've got a, a you know a couple games that you've got to get through just to kind of get into the the main part of your schedule. And then you know again with Alabama, you've got Tennessee on uh, October fifteenth. Then you've got Texas A and M, and then finally you get to LSU after that bye week. So I mean it's 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 going to be. I think very interesting. It really does come down to who wins that game, though, probably, doesn't it? I think so, although obviously the fans down in Oxford are probably listening to this and saying, hey, wait a second, what about us? I mean, you've got uh, Mississippi, they're returning Chad Kelly, sort of a, you know, we've talked about him on the show before. I mean, he's kind of a veteran, savvy kind of quarterback that comes back and running that offense. I mean, Alabama makes that trip to Oxford, the third game of the season. They start, yeah, they've got USC, they've got Western Kentucky, then they go to Oxford to play Mississippi. I mean, they stumbled against Mississippi last year. And that game was a home game. So, so here's a question for you on that. The week before, Ole Miss is playing Wofford. Right. Do, like, does, does that almost hurt them playing at that speed instead of playing a real opponent there? I don't know. I mean, they open up against Florida State. Right. I guess you need kind I of mean, a little break somewhere in there, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, th- this is a Florida State team that a lot of people think might even win the national championship and, you know, at least dethrone Clemson in that ACC. And that's a Clemson team that is stacked Loaded. that I'm really excited to talk about. I mean, that's a team that's bringing most of their skill guys back and added Mike Williams, probably one of the nation's top receiving talents who missed most of last year with a neck injury he comes back to the fold as well they got probably the top quarterback in the nation deshaun watson i mean that's a loaded team so for people to think that florida state's going to overcome that squad that's going to be a tough way for mississippi to open you know florida state and I, you know that game's in orlando it's not exactly you know it's a quote neutral site but it's gonna be a lot of what is it golden garrett garnet 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 yeah garnet. 
go, whatever you want to. I'm not really a color Gold person. Gold in that red color. Jeff Lloyd will. I'm, 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 I'm not good with you know like anytime we've done interior decorating, I've kind of pushed myself to the side. I yeah. pretty much know you know Roy G. Biv, you know red, orange, yellow, green, blue, you know the whole. You, you remember right? No, I don't. You don't remember Roy G. Biv? I, I vaguely do. I vaguely do. But That's how you, you remember? Talk it. to a much older man, my friend. Well. No one's perfect, right? Um, this is true. Let's let's dig into uh, some of these other teams here, kind of like we did with the SEC East. Is there anyone in the West that you think may be able to jump up into that top three in in the division, or do you think things are pretty much set there as well? I mean, looking at the SEC West from sort of top to bottom, I mean. <sighs> It would really take a lot for Auburn to kind of get up to in one of those first three slots. I mean, again, Auburn has another school question mark at the quarterback position. It looks like they're rolling with Sean White out of the gate, sort of a more veteran presence. Um, you know, Shane Alexander, our good friend, um, host of the pilot, co-host of the Pile on You podcast, basically said that look, for Gus Miles on, Sean White's the devil that you know. You know what you're going to get out of him. John Franklin. Um, more of a question mark. Um, not quite sure what you're going to get out of him. Um, obviously, look, the, the Jeremy Johnson experiment seems to have sort of crashed and burned. So they're going to roll with Sean White at least to start the season. I mean, Auburn has a tough test. I mean, who do we just finish talking about? Clemson. That's how Auburn opens the season. Yeah, that's not an easy so, one. I mean, that, that's tough. <laughs> I mean, look, Auburn starts Clemson at home. They get Arkansas State at home. They get Texas A&M at home. And then they host LSU. I mean, that's a really tough way to open. And if two of those four games go south quickly, I mean, you know, the schedule eases up a bit in the middle. You've got Louisiana Monroe at homecoming. Um, you make a trip to Mississippi State, Arkansas at home, then a trip to o- Oxford to play Mississippi. Then they close it out. Two of their last three games at Georgia, Alabama A&M at home, and then at Alabama. So, I mean, that's a really tough schedule. I mean, according to Phil Steele's, you know, strength of schedule rankings or schedule difficulty rankings. That's the fifth toughest schedule in the country this year. It's a full dance card. Yeah. And I mean, and then you look at the teams behind Auburn. I mean, look, Mississippi state, they've got question marks trying to replace Dak Prescott. There's a lot of question marks around that team. Arkansas, for whatever reason, they just can't seem to sort of put it all together. Um, They're replacing a quarterback as well, Brandon Allen gone. His younger brother, Austin Allen, in as a starting quarterback. Texas A&M looks to have a really good defense, but again, question marks on offense. So I'm not really sure any of these four teams that we've talked about at the bottom of the SEC West will have enough to sort of get above when you're talking about Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss. I mean, these are, you know, big-time teams with big-time rosters. Mark, got about a minute, maybe two minutes left here. Anything else you want to touch on before we uh, call it quits? Because tomorrow's Kicker Friday, and we're not doing this anymore. We're, we're talking kickers then. You know what I, I did want to point out on that subject? South Carolina might have the best kicker-punter tandem in the SEC. Did you know that? I didn't know that. South Carolina, no, I'm, putting, say. I'm putting some names on your radar, my friend. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've arguably got one of the better kickers in the country, and Elliot Fry. I mean, this is a guy that was, look, I'm trying to look at his stats right now, but definitely got it. What was he last year? 25 for 25 on extra points. He was 20 for 28 on field goals, 10 for 10 from 29 and shorter. Four for five from that thirty to thirty-nine range, which we've talked about, yep. is kind of the sort of key range. Four for eight from forty to forty-nine, two for five from fifty plus with a longer fifty-two. So I mean, that's not too bad. 
And you've also got their punter, Sean Kelly, another senior. I mean, 39.9 net. I mean, it's not massive, but I mean, I think that might be the best kicker-punter tandem in the SEC. So Stop. how's a little of that? Mark Schofield, for, uh, I'm impressed. A little segue into Kicker Friday, some SEC kicker punter talk. I'm impressed. You're finally giving uh, the the you know the, the kickers and punters. You know the- what it is. You know what it is. Earlier this week, you said that quarterbacks look at kickers and punters as peasants, and that 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 you wounded me, sir. Well, it's not inaccurate. No, but <laughs> I, I took some time to reflect, and the wound the wound was deep, but it it, it stunned, but it made me reflect. So you've changed one mind. Well, I will take this back to the kickers union, and we'll see if we can get you, you off our blacklist. Well, the stone cutters. You know, we're we're not ready to celebrate yet, but we'll see if we can get you off our blacklist. How about you guys that? have like a stone cutters type song? No, like who made Jay Feely a star or something like that? K- kickers don't sing. You don't sing. Kickers don't sing. You guys got to have something. We're very stoic. Very stoic. Uh, so are you guys like Benedictine monks? It's more like uh, more along the line, kind of very Buddhist, you know, very, you know, uh, pra- practicing a lot of equanimity. You know, if you miss, it's not really a miss. If you make, it's not really a make that type of thing. All you're doing is really kicking a ball. There's no goalposts. There is no spoon. Is it like oak tree technique? It's very oak tree. Very oak tree. You just you, like you dig those roots in and you just kind of sway with the breeze. It's all it is. All wow, it fantastic. is. Fantastic. Let's call it a day on that one. Oak tree technique. We are done. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield wrapping up Thursday. And tomorrow, as we know, is Kicker Friday here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. We are done for the day. We will see you right back here tomorrow on Kicker Friday.